Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zelmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I'll be talking with Dr. Cassie Koss about cognitive decline and neurodegeneration. This episode is brought to you by the Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are leaders in neural recovery and experienced in treating complex concussion cases with dysautonomia, vertigo, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They've greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Hello, I am Amy Zalmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors, by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, which is available on Amazon. And I recently launched the Brain Health Magazine, and you can grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And also don't forget to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Cassie Koss, and she earned her Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry and Molecular Biology from the University of Minnesota Duluth, where she graduated with honors. After graduating, she spent a year with AmeriCorps, developing a community-based health and wellness program in rural West Virginia. Completing this project, Dr. Cassie decided that chiropractic care was how she wanted to help people recover from their chronic health issues and achieve a better quality of life. She earned her doctorate in chiropractic degree from Northwestern Health Sciences University and has received training through the Carrick Institute of Clinical Neuroscience. Her expertise is working with dizziness, vertigo, brain injury, dysautonomia, and chronic pain. She is passionate about helping people reach true and lasting health. So welcome to the podcast, Cassie. So happy to have you here. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Super excited to talk about this. Yeah. So, you know, I'm really excited about this topic, um, you know, cognitive decline and neurodegeneration, because it's something that comes up quite often and I don't feel we've fully addressed it on the podcast before. So really excited to have you here and talk about that. But first, I would love for you to give our listeners some background of how you came to work in the brain injury community. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I think I first kind of got passionate more with like just a more integrative or holistic approach to helping people um, really heal, gain their health back, just kind of recover and just live an optimal life. Um, as far as like brain injury specific, that was more when I was in school and I was learning all these different, um, you know, ways to be healthy, but things just kept coming back over and over and over again to like, you know, 
brain house. Literally, the brain controls everything we do. Um, but what can we do to help, like, seriously promote the health of the brain itself so that we can have better function overall? And I just kind of fell down that rabbit hole and really haven't come out since just because there's so much to learn and new research is coming out just about every single day. Um, you're never going to get bored when you're studying the brain. So it's just truly, truly fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, being in the brain injury world now myself um, and learning all that I've learned since working with Dr. Jeremy and you, um, you know, it's, it's really inspired me to really look at the brain differently. And it's almost inspired me to go back to school in some capacity, <laughs> but I just don't think I'm ready for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, during my work with Jeremy, I did a lot of work with you as well. You were interning with him at the time. So um, it's been really cool getting to know you over the last oh, three and a half, four years. Um, yeah. So let's kind of jump into the topic. Um, so after a brain injury, we are often told we're at higher risk of developing dementia, Alzheimer's, you know, and other um, neurodegenerative problems. Um, you know, what, what has the research shown and what are you finding working in the brain injury world? Yeah, um, so research has shown that there can be a correlation between um, sustaining a traumatic brain injury and then developing problems later on, such as like neurodegeneration, cognitive decline, um, different neurodegenerative um, diseases and pathologies, things like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, um, multiple sclerosis. Those are some of the, the big ones that people are going to be more familiar with. Um, but yes, they've found both through, um, there aren't a lot of like human studies just because that's a hard thing to do. You can't really induce a brain injury just like you can study it later on. But there is a <laughs> lot of different like animal studies and mouse models um, where they have given different forms of brain injuries to different um, areas of the brain through different um, methods and modalities and have just found correlations um, when you do sustain an injury to the brain, it, you know, it can predispose you um, to developing some neurodegenerative changes later in life, unfortunately. And so what, you know, are there, are there proactive things that we can do um, to, you know, maybe help our neuroplasticity? Um, you know, I, I like to think that I've done a lot of work and I'm trying to be proactive um, and if you had asked me five years ago when I was only a year into my recovery, um, I would have absolutely felt like I was probably going to have dementia and Alzheimer's by the time I was 45. Um, um, but now I'm a little more hopeful. Like, you know, I, um, I, you know, I fell down the stairs last summer, um, didn't actually hit my head, but I. I smashed my shoulder into the the corner of the door jam pretty hard and then landed, you know, like flat on my flat on the front side of my body. Um, and, you know, I could tell it, it, it took a couple of days and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm having some aphasia and I was having some other cognitive issues. And a lot of that resolved itself. Um, 
you know, I did, I did a little bit of work with you and Jeremy, but um, for the most part, I feel it resolved itself. I'm still struggling with some aphasia though. And that's a little bit frustrating, um, not being able to come up with the words that, that I know I should know, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, so what, what are some ways we could be proactive yeah, absolutely. And I love that you're bringing up that you can be proactive because I think one of the worst things that I see out there is just when you Google search this stuff like Alzheimer's dementia, cognitive decline, like in the snippets, a lot of what you see come up first is that there is no prevention. There's nothing that you can right. do. It's just a normal part of the aging process. Um, with regard to TBI, you might see a lot of things out there where it's like, well, you'll just have to, you know, live your new normal, so to speak, and um, just kind of basically have to live to learn with it. But um, we know from better research and actually clinically doing things that there are things that you can do to both help heal and prevent and basically come back from different brain injuries. Um, So a lot of things you are probably familiar with since you said you do a lot yourself. Um, But basically just because it is so like multifactorial and multifaceted, there's a ton of different things you can do. Um, And I think that's a good thing um, so that you're not pigeonholed kind of waiting for, you know, one pharmaceutical magic bullet, because I just, I don't think unfortunately that's really ever going to, to happen just because there's so many different yeah. factors going into brain injuries and so many different things that can happen um, that it really does need more of a, like a holistic integrative approach to really actually heal some of the pathways um, that are damaged and inflamed. So one of the things that people can actually like start to do and look into is going to be um, nutrition. Nutrition is going to be really good um, getting different um, nutrients and things to actually like feed your brain, calm down inflammation, Mm -hmm. um, work on the whole gut brain connection. If you're familiar with like leaky gut, um, chances are if you have leaky gut, you have leaky brain, probably heard that before. Just meaning that if you've lost integrity in your GI system um, after injury or from food sensitivities, things like that, chances are you've lost integrity in that blood-brain barrier, that covering around your brain that's typically really tight and kind of keeps the garbage out and keeps things functioning in the brain. If you lose integrity there, you're more susceptible to different inflammatory processes and things like that. Um, So nutrition is huge, both feeding your brain the good nutrients that it needs while also kind of cutting out some pro-inflammatory stuff that you might have underlying like sensitivities too. So that's a big one. Um, Mm, Yeah. Absolutely. Exercise is a big one too. Um, There's lots of studies out there that show that um, exercise helps uh, promote different factors. Like um, if you've ever heard of like brain derived neurotropic factor, um, that's something that actually helps your brain to like heal and like, um, increase basically like neuroplasticity and synaptic growth. Um, I think previously way long, not a long time ago, but um, I previously learned that, you know, once your brain is injured, there isn't any healing that can be done. Um, And we know now that that's actually not true. We can actually produce 
more neurons, more synaptic connections, help it heal and help it function better. Um, and so doing stuff like exercises helps promote those factors um, that help our brain heal. And then it's also good for basically um, getting up, moving around, increasing heart rate that has a good effect on dysautonomia and getting like oxygen up to your brain, decreasing stress because those are both big factors as well. Um, brains definitely do not like decreased levels of oxygen. That makes them very unhappy. Um, and that can happen if you have underlying things like dysautonomias or um, after injury you become very like sedentary and you can kind of lose um, oxygen exchange and basically become deconditioned essentially. Mm, yep. um, so that's something that you don't want to happen. Um, and as far as stress goes, it's good to keep that down. That can be a pro-inflammatory thing that's hard on our brain and hard to come back from over time. Um, so on top of exercise, there's other things that are really good, like you know, just meditations and things. And um, in office, I work on breathing with people a lot, um, a kind of classic like box breathing or meditative breathing just to help promote that whole oxygen exchange, get more up to the brain and kind of like calm down your stress system, um, get less of that kind of like ramped up sympathetic and more of like the rest digest parasympathetic um, to kind of promote a better ratio of that. Um, other things that people can do is be actually like the stimulation of the areas. Um, you know, you probably experienced this quite a lot while you were working um, at the Functional Neurology Center. We found both clinically and through a lot of research over the years that if you actually, you know, activate different pathways, you can promote them to work better, heal faster, um, calm inflammation down. Um, you can even develop, like, stronger, deeper, better brain connections, essentially, um, I've had people come out of, um, you know, doing different neuro rehabilitation modalities, feeling better than they did previous to sustaining their brain injury. And that's a big deal, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I um, recently in the last issue of the magazine, um, Brooke Mills was our feature story and she was six. I believe when her accident happened and um, by the time she got to see their concussion specialist um, in, in their town, um, he told her she basically had early onset dementia. And at the time she was 17 and it was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, no, this is a brain injury. Um, you know, so I know that, you and Jeremy and Dr. Eric, that you guys have worked with patients who have been told they have early onset dementia or they have MS um, and other neurological, um, you know, degenerative issues, and they actually really don't. They just have a traumatic brain injury. And I'm sure that there are people listening right now who have been told similar things. Um, I, I know one patient in particular that came in and I, I'm guessing she's about my age. She's like 40-ish. Um, and she had basically been told she had 
um, MS. And she had been the victim of a lot of um, domestic abuse over the years. And she hadn't even realized she had a traumatic brain injury. Um, and then she, I don't know, she somehow found me and then found you guys. And I believe you worked with her. Um, but, you know, like, how, how do we, like, bridge that gap with, you know, doctors, like, this is a neurologist specifically. Um, but how do we bridge that gap between the medical doctors saying, oh, you probably have MS or you have dementia, you know, but in reality, they, they have a traumatic brain injury. And, and I get it that some of it mimics each other. And there's some similarities and overlap. Um, but when you give someone an MS diagnosis, that's, you know, that's essentially like, a lifetime diagnosis, right? Where in reality, if they just have a TBI, there's, there's something that can be done for them. Does that make sense? Yeah. I hope I yeah. asked that. Okay. No, no. <laughs> makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, there is unfortunately like a lot of overlap. And I think sometimes um, other providers, like they're, they're looking at the signs and symptoms and kind of checking boxes and then yeah. comparing those boxes or those signs and symptoms to different disease processes um, and a lot of the host symptoms definitely go back to TBI and I think a problem too is sometimes a lot of people who have sustained TBIs don't necessarily realize or don't think that you know the accident that they had was big enough or traumatic enough to lead to any kind of brain injury um, and we know kind of that's, that's just not true. It doesn't take, you know, a car crash where the car was totaled and slipped 10 times and that kind of thing. It can be something like a slip and fall on the ice, um, <laughs> which can basically promote this whole neuroinflammatory cascade where depending on where different things are happening in the brain can present different symptoms. Um, and potentially, if you let it progress and you don't do anything, those symptoms could kind of snowball into the different neurodegenerative diseases. But at the same time, too, there are things that you can, you can absolutely do. Some of the things that I already, nutrition, exercise, like activating those pathways, working with sleep, stress, oxygenation, all those things are incredibly important and kind of everything that falls under neurodegeneration. Like I think of that as like whole brain health. And the more that you can do to protect and promote your whole brain health, the better off you're going to be. And you'll be able to, you know, potentially come back from a lot of those like life-changing diagnoses um, or at least give yourself a better quality of life. Because, um, yeah, I just think it's, it's important to, you know, recognize that there are things that you can do both preventatively and after the fact that, you know, can definitely make improvements um, if not reverse the things that you're feeling. Um, some of the different symptoms for sure. I've had plenty of people come back and feel like less foggy, more cognitively sharp, um, you know, in addition to all the physical things that they feel better about, like balance, dizziness, pain, um, that kind of thing. Like those are important too, but I love it when people tell me like they feel sharper or they can feel like they are mm -hmm. ready to go back to their job. That was maybe like stressing them out a little bit because they couldn't remember. They couldn't like 
handled directions or they were worried about forgetting something like that in and of itself is very like anxiety producing. Um, yeah. So if you can kind of give someone back their ability to, you know, perform a job that they like and they want to do well, like that's a big, big deal for sure. Again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, people don't even realize that they've had a traumatic brain injury. Like you said, it doesn't have to be a super huge car accident. It can literally be you got rear-ended at a stoplight. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I have met that it was a seemingly benign accident and it caused so much trauma um, to the brain as well as, you know, the neck, which, um, you know, we've had on other podcasts discussing how the neck is so incorporated into the brain. Um, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and, you know, I think people, when they hear traumatic brain injury, they often think, you know, like those worst case scenarios, the worst case accident, the the person who's in a coma for months, the person who maybe is in a wheelchair for the rest of their life. And in general, that's not the majority of brain injuries, right? The majority of brain injuries are people like me um, who can still walk and talk and aren't taken quite seriously by the healthcare profession. Um, and another, another, um, not symptom, another um, degenerative disease that people are also hearing a lot about is CTE. And, you know, we hear a lot about it in football and how those repetitive hits um, are leading to CTE. And unfortunately, a lot of people in my group have been diagnosed with CTE. And I'm like, okay, first of all, you can't diagnose CTE without an autopsy. Um, So the best they can do is speculate that you have CTE symptoms. Um, And I, you know, (laughs) you know, someone who had a major car accident and has a brain injury um, likely doesn't have CTE. I mean, there's still a lot of research to be done, um, but aren't we finding it's more of those repetitive subconcussive hits um, that are more to blame for CTE? Yep. There's a lot of um, research out there. And again, it is, like you said, you can't really do a lot of human trials with it because it's <laughs> right? mortem or after death. Um, but as far as like the different um, animal studies and things that are done, they found that, you know, these repetitive even like just micro traumas um, are huge um, contributors to, you know, TDIs just not resolving um, as best they could or even leading to, you know, worse neurodegeneration and then kind of going down that pathway of cognitive decline from mild to severe, dementias, Alzheimer's, um, that kind of thing. When you look at like basically the, the pathophysiology of it, um, there is a lot of a lot of overlap, and the little micro traumas that happen, they they don't necessarily have to be you know hits. Um, it doesn't have to be a physical hit. Um, they're finding things in studies where um, your environment matters. Is there a lot of noise pollution, air pollution, that kind of thing? Are you living in an environment or a house where you're being exposed to different toxins like mold? Um, you know, are there heavy metals in your system? 
that kind of thing. And so all of those factors kind of play into it. Um, there's a really good um, analogy from Dr. Dale Bredesen, who has developed like the Bredesen protocol for helping reverse Alzheimer's. Um, and he says like all these different factors, some of them that I just, just mentioned, um, basically if you look at it, like your body and your brain is your, your house. And so what if there are 36 holes in that house, in the roof of your house, meaning like 36 different factors playing into these neurodegenerative changes? Well, you can go and fix a couple of them, like maybe nutrition, maybe sleep, that kind of thing. And you can plug up a couple of the holes, but you still have 30 some odd holes where water can get in basically and flood your house. So that's just showing like how complex these issues are and how many different things you need to address um, basically um, just to kind of get at, you know, total healing, so to speak. Um, and even these things can be used like preventatively as well. You can start addressing these things or these 36 different factors or more potentially prior to ever experiencing any major symptoms or cognitive decline. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of overlap, but that just means that there's a lot more that you can do to kind of help yourself recover from that. And I think too, what we're finding in research, you, you mentioned the environmental factors. Um, and I have seen a lot of articles, you know, kind of leading that uh, like, you know, Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, um, that those environmental factors are also very, a very important variable, you know, if it in, into the equation of, are you going to get Alzheimer's? Um, so, you know, let's maybe even talk a little more about the environmental factors, because I think that's a really important component of neurodegeneration. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Basically, with neurodegeneration, there's um, I kind of think about like three kind of overarching things that really contribute to it. Um, inflammation is a huge one. Um, a decrease in what are considered like trophic factors or the factors that kind of like build up and support and help your brain, and then an increase in toxic compounds. Um, so, if we're looking at toxic compounds. Um, things like environment. So if there is like mold in your house or even if you're consuming something that's not necessarily considered like a toxic or unhealthy compound, but if it's something that you are sensitive to or you have an underlying sensitivity to, you are basically just kind of like exposing yourself over and over and over again and kind of recreating this pro-inflammatory cascade essentially. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times I hear from patients that they've developed like after injury, like chemical sensitivities where certain smells like candles and laundry detergents and things like that bother them now where it didn't bother them before. Um, basically they've kind of like lost tolerance. So now every time they get exposed, it's, it's causing more inflammation, basically more fuel to the fire, so to speak. Um, and just kind of pushing that inflammatory cascade further along and that's something where we actually need to like really decrease that and kind of put out the flames. Um, it's helpful short term, um, basically kind of help us clear out any garbage from 
an impact or a trauma and kind of help the area rebuild, but it's definitely something that you don't want happening long-term kind of like mm-hmm. you roll or sprain your ankle, how it gets kind of like hot and swollen and painful to begin with. Um, that's basically your body kind of cleaning things up, putting things back in order. But if you just get out there and you roll your ankle over and over and over and over again, you're going to create some long-term long lasting damage in that area. And, you know, I think of the brain is the same thing. If you just have repeat exposures to things that are going to cause inflammation, you're basically just adding more and more and more fuel to that fire when we should be doing basically the opposite. Um, and yeah, in addition was, to having go for it. I was just going to say that was a great analogy, the rolling the ankle. Um, I think that, I think that can really, you know, especially people who are athletes, like you can really relate to those injuries. If you keep re, you know, if you go back on the field before you fully healed that ankle injury, you're probably going to roll it again and cause another, maybe even more serious injury. And the brain is a very similar process um, with that inflammation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and in addition to like all these different like exposures to things that um, can be toxic to our system, we're finding like a lot of decreased or a lot of disruption in the different like vitamins, minerals, hormones, things that are more like neuroprotective and the things we need. So that whole imbalance there just is not doing us any favors whatsoever, which is, you know, why this can be so hard for some providers to kind of really address completely because there's so many different things going on. Uh Like you can't be be the doctor who, only addresses um, sleep or only prescribes exercise to get through. You kind of have to be able to pull in more things and look at more of these factors really critically um, by really evaluating um, the neurosystem, evaluating labs, taking a good history, seeing, you know, are there potentially more traumas, you know, to the brain and body that, you know, the patient didn't necessarily think was important, like, all the time when I'm taking histories, it's like any other, you know, something you want to mention, anything like that. And, oh, yeah, I guess I was in a car accident five years ago, but I walked <laughs> away from it. It was fine. Right, right. Um, you know, and then, oh, yeah, I fell down the stairs, you know, a couple weeks later, that kind of thing. And it's like that, that stuff, you know, does matter. So that's why I really like to dig in and kind of see mm-hmm. You know, potentially how long has this been going on kind of thing? Because, um, you know, yeah. as humans, we're active and the chances for injury are, are yep. pretty great. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that whole last part you talked about, how it's more than just one thing. And I think that's what's really missed in traditional healthcare. Um, you know, like they might send you for, or vision therapy, you know, they send you for one therapy and one therapy isn't going to get you better. It might get you a little bit better. You might feel like vision therapy might make your eyes feel better, but you're still having, you know, like other issues going on. And so, you know, you, you, that's where functional neurology, I think, is so unique in that it encompasses everything. It's going to focus on your eyes and your balance and your legs. And, and you know, like I know you guys had me doing squats 
it's like, how the heck is a squat going to help my brain injury? Right. Um, like it just doesn't, uh-huh. doesn't make sense, but it's all connected. And then the diet and supplements, supplements, I think are such a huge component of it. Um, you know, I take, I take more supplements, I think, than my parents <laughs> take in medications combined, and they take a lot of medications. Um, <laughs> you know, so there's just, there's so many components. And um, I, I, I think my final question for you is just, you know, so if you do have degeneration, like, let's say, someone really is starting to have onset of dementia, um, are there ways to slow it down? Oh, absolutely. Basically, you know, everything that we've already touched on and talked about are all going to be, you know, basically part of those 36 factors that are, Mm -hmm. you know, holes in your roof and leading to neurodegeneration. And the more of those that you address and the sooner that you do it, the better off you're going to be. I mean, it's still early in basically human research and going through these protocols and seeing, but there have been case studies out there of actually reversing um, diagnoses of Alzheimer's and um, dementia and things like that. And having people going from, you know, not remembering where they're headed or how to get home or how to do their job to like full on restoration and feeling great, essentially like Mm -hmm. our brain is plastic. We have the ability to develop neuroplasticity and the more that we can activate our brains, um, all areas, and the more that we can give it the right nutrients, both via food and supplements and through like exercising and promoting um, the activation of these different factors that we know are healthy for the brain, the better off we're going to be. So yeah, kind of like how you said, it's, a multi-pronged approach and the more that you can do for your brain, the better off you're going to be, the faster you're going to heal. Um, and long-term wise, the better off you'll be able to potentially like recover from another hit. Um, I have patients all the time who are worried after, you know, feeling better and getting better. Uh, well, you know, what happens if I get hit again? Um, it can be a little, little unpredictable, but the healthier state that your brain and body is in, the yeah. better it's going to be able to recover itself. Kind of like how you, you discovered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was just a few months. Wow. Well, it's probably more than a few months now. Like time is kind of standing still. Um, but I <laughs> smacked my head on the side of the car when I was getting in and I was actually on my way to the clinic. <laughs> ironically. Um, and I could tell right away, I was like, Oh, I was like a little like loopy. Um, and I remember you and Jeremy had me doing lateral squats and, um, I don't know what they're called, but we're like, you sidestep and cross your leg behind you. Um, and I was mm-hmm. like, really? You're gonna make me do a hardcore workout here. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it worked. Yeah. It helped. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, Dr. Koss, thank you so much for being here today. It has been a pleasure having you on the podcast. And um, just thanks for sharing your time with our listeners today. No, thank you for having me on.
And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And just another reminder, you can catch all of the previous podcasts at facesoftbi.com. And don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And be sure to join Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. And another big thank you to our sponsor, the Functional Neurology Center. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you in the next episode.